Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Tish Hamilton. Hello, Tish. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing? Good. Happy New Year to you. Thank you very much, and Happy New Year to you. Yeah. So uh, about halfway through this month, are you enjoying the uh, post-holiday calm? Well, you know, January's not actually a very calm month in my life because oh. of two things. I have... Um, there's a lot of uh, work project deadlines going on in January. And the other thing is my daughter, Nina, swims on our her high school swim team. Mm-hmm. And a lot of their meets are in January and early oh. February. So it's and they have them at all these different crazy times. So today she's swimming at one that starts at 245. And another day she'll have one that starts at 830 at night. Oh, so it, it's a, I know it's a lot to keep track of. Yeah, well, and also, I mean, I was thinking more from Nina's perspective. I mean, I, I don't want to have to perform my athletic best at like 945 at night. <laughs> yeah, the, the the late night meets are really hard because, uh, you know, first off, you have to swim fast at, at 830 or 9 o'clock at night. And then also they're over at like, what, 10 o'clock and she comes home and she's so wound up, right? Yep. It's hard for yep. her to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, you know, all wound up and jittery. And I'm like, I'm so tired. Please stop <laughs> talking so I can sleep. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my to say to a teenager because they never talk to you. But like, right. not at 1030, please. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. Kids, teenagers always want to have conversations in the in the evening, the late evening. I'm like, no, no, no. Mama shut down for the night. <laughs> she'll come into my room when i'm in bed like you know like i'm just about to drift off and plop down and start talking <laughs> and i go uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> oh my gosh I'm literally falling asleep while she's talking <laughs> oh nice nice you need to draw eyes on the outs on your eyelids so it looks like you're looking at her <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Every so often, John, my 14 year old son will just, I'm about to drift off and he comes in and just gives me a hug. Mama, I love you so much. I'm like, love you too, honey. That's so sweet, but I really wish I could be asleep right now. Could you hug me tomorrow morning when I'm at my best? I know. Oh goodness. Oh my goodness. So So lots of swimming. It's January. uh, It's January. Uh, calm months for you it is we this january we don't have any work trips because that's i mean yes my kids schedule adds a lot of um curveballs and ups and downs and stuff but um but for me the big thing is my work travel and so which i adore it's one of the many things i love about amr but um, to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to be home for an entire month. This is, this is awesome. And, you know, like, oh, darn, it means I have to cook dinner every night. <laughs> I don't get to stay in a hotel. Um, but yeah, so um, I'm just trying to, um, uh, in parts, kind of actively enjoy staying put this month. And, right. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Be intentional about enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, that's a good way of putting it. Yes. Yes. So are you going to be traveling down to Savannah to see your man at all this month or does this swim? I meets... am. I'm going down mm-hmm. on uh, uh, Martin Luther King weekend. Mm-hmm. I have an, one day off work. So whenever I have a, you know, a three day weekend, I try to get down there because um, traveling there, it, it it is a direct flight, but it's almost always delayed one mm-hmm. way or another, if not both. Uh, so it, it's really good to have a three-day weekend to sort of minimize the the stress of of delays. Uh, right. And I go about I go down about about once a month, um, mm-hmm. and I'm really looking forward to to going down this month, especially because it's you know cold and gross up here, and it'll be nice down there. Exactly. And the days will be a little longer. That's for me. That's what I love traveling south in the winter time because our days are so short up here in the northern yeah. corner of the yeah. country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Sunsetting yeah. around four thirty, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I am going to be um, going to that part of the world, the the Savannah esque part of the world, next month um, for Hilton Head Island for our retreat. Um, 
which I finally just clued into realizing that you should come over and run the race <laughs> as well. So I hope you can work that in. But because um, I'm debating what distance to run for our um, inaugural women run race. That's the um, we couldn't find a race that we were wanted to build our retreat around. So we're making a race that we're building our retreat around, but that other people from anywhere else in the country or if they live in the area can do. Um, so and it's just it's gonna be so awesome. It's gonna be I'm trying to do a cell job on it to you, Tish, so that you'll make sure that you fit it into your schedule and <laughs> make it happen, I hope. Um, so it's going to be completely run on the beach at low tide. And have you ever been to Hilton Head Island? I have, and it sound, this sounds really cool. I want you to tell me about the distances that, that you're offering because I see a quarter marathon, and I've been trying to do the math, and I just can't make it work. So, so you can just tell me what it is. Okay. So, well, a quarter marathon means half of a half marathon. So. I know. What does that mean? <laughs> so would that be like six point... I Okay. That's why we have iPhones. Um, so it would be... All the math people are out there are yelling the answer right now, but... Um, I know. Uh, <laughs> so it'd be 6.55. Uh, um, and, and so, and the way it works is that the, so the distances at women run is half marathon, half marathon relay, quarter marathon and 5k. And so the start and finish line is going to be, imagine a, um, the, the bow you've tied your shoelaces, you're about to go out for a run. And so envision the, the two loops of your, um, of your tied shoelaces and the start finish line is in the middle where the knot is. And then uh -huh. you head, and then, um, you either head, um, if that's East then, so you either head North, he's going to, the race director says he'll decide on the morning of whether we head North or South first. And, right. um, and then you go, you know, half the, oh my gosh, I can't, what 6.55 divided by two. Um, you would, uh, go, 13.275 um, in one, thank you, in one direction, and then turn around and then go back. And if you're doing the quarter marathon, you're done. If you're doing the half marathon relay, you hand off to your relay partner. If you're doing... If you're doing the 5K, you've turned around a tiny bit before, you know, or you've turned around halfway before that. And then if you're doing the half marathon, then you go out and do the other um, part of the, the other loop on the laces. But I mean... Um, it's not really going to be a loop because the, the beach is just so wide. It's run at low tide. It's right after sunrise. And uh -huh. the, the beach is as flat as a tabletop. It's just crazy. Here, out here on the West Coast, the beaches are super deep, but they're very canted, you know, so that, right. um, you know, it's sort of downhill to the water. And... Then, um, and also I was really skeptical that there, that, you know, you wouldn't just, your heel wouldn't sink like, you know, three inches into the sand. And so I went out and ran eight miles when I went out to Hilton Head Island to scout it out in February. Wow. And, um, I was just like, yeah, this is going to totally blow out my Achilles, you know, blah, blah, blah. And my gosh, I turned around and looked and all 5'11", Clydesdale division of me barely was making any footprint even on the sand. Like it is. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it has a tad bit more give than, than a sidewalk, but really not much. Um, so, and there, and the dolphins come in, there's a certain type of dolphin that's off of Hilton Head Island that come in very close to the beach. I mean, wow. I looked out and saw them. I was like, wait, you guys must be like in three inches of water. How are you so close to the, <laughs> the shoreline? And, um, so I just know there's going to be dolphins cheering us on and it's just going to be spectacular. And there's then this whole post-race party on the beach at the host hotel of the retreat. It's going to be so awesome. And, and like I said, that it's not just for the retreaters, anyone who wants to, um, go to Hilton Head Island, whether it's a short drive or a plane ride or whatever. Um, and so that is on March 1st. Yeah. Can come I to think the race. that sounds really awesome. I, I love all the distances, and, and I, I think the quarter marathon is genius. Oh, yeah, because yeah, you're going to PR in it because you've never done a quarter exactly. marathon. Exactly. <laughs> I can see that's very appealing to you. It is. Yeah, I know, that's I know. I've never done. I'll totally do that. 
<laughs> and then more time to party and get the get the party started on the beach. So it's gonna be super fun. And I just adore our race director. He's a local. He's just really knowledgeable and wanting to just make it such a top rate race. And as he he's all about the bling bling. So we um, worked with a designer for really really pretty medals. And our designer worked on the t-shirt design. And so it's just gonna be fantabulous. Yeah, it sounds yeah. great. Oh, good, good. So well, let's move on to our guests, who today are two women connected by the new book, Mighty Mo, the true story of a 13-year-old running revolutionary. One guest, Rachel Swaby, is the co-author of the book, along with Kit Fox. And the other guest is Mighty Mo herself, Maureen Mancuso, who is the subject of the book. It's a true honor to have both of them join us. We'll talk with them after this brief break. Stay with us. Maureen and Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Thanks so much for having us. So Maureen, this is Tish, and um, the book is about you when you were called Mighty Mo, and uh, about your amazing record that you set. And I was wondering if you could set the stage for us a little bit by telling us about when you first started running, which I think was maybe when you were 10 years old? Yes, correct. Um, so... Um, we were sitting around the dinner table and my brother came in and he had a few ribbons and we asked my other brother and I asked him where he got them. And he said he had won them. We asked him how, and he said in a, in a track event. And so we were like, we want to win a ribbon too. So it really all started because we wanted to win a ribbon. <laughs> and so my parents, my parents uh, looked around and it wasn't that as easy in those days to find a running club. And they, um, my, the brother who won the ribbons, he found a coach uh, for a high school who was training the cross country or the track team, I guess, for, um, for the high school. And his daughter was training, practicing with them as well. And so my mom drove us over after we found that out and she drove to the parking lot and she said, well, there they are over there, go. And we'd never spoken to them. <laughs> They'd never spoken to them. And I'm like, and there's a bunch of high school boys training. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not going over there. And so um, she said to my brother, Dan, um, you know, go take her, take her. And so my brother Dan came with me and said, hey, can we run with, with you guys? And and so they said, sure. He introduced me to his daughter, and, and it all started from there. <laughs> oh, my gosh, and, before and the year, days. Yeah, what year was that? Oh, Rachel, <laughs> what year was that? <laughs> oh, so I would have been 10, so it would be 53. Oh, was it 54? Oh, before my Six. birthday, right? Yeah. Yeah. So nine, 1963. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, 60. Yeah. Bef <laughs> and bef okay. before the days of having to uh, sign waivers and things like that. So, you know, there's just. <laughs> it was 1964. If it was 1953. I was born and I came out running. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to fast forward a little bit. You, you, I mean, in, in those days, there was hard to find a running club. It was hard to find any other, many people that were running at all, much less women or young girls running. Uh, but you did run with the track club, and you, you won some awards fairly quickly, I think. Uh, it was really, I would, uh, sorry, it was really that first year and a half that it was already starting to build once, um, and I, I credit that to um, the media for reporting on our races every weekend and so it brought attention to the sport and and people started we were winning and mm -hmm. so it just brought a lot of attention to the sport and really in the beginning there were only a few people in the race so even the Ontario championships as well as the Quebec championships we ran the two the two in one day and we flew from one to the other and grand total of competitors between including both races, I think would be about 12, 13 kids. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So we started, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't even know why they took us there, but <laughs> it worked out great. So, um, yeah. So it, in the so, first year, and then once, once people started, um, 
seeing that, and then my coach also asked for um, for new new club members, like kind of putting it out in the paper, little ads in the paper, I think it was. Um, and so people started to join and a few more girls started to join. So all, all within, I would say that maybe the second year, that following summer, I would say it was already starting to build. And then I'm not sure what year the race in Baltimore was, but that was the one where we walked in and said we were so shocked because, and so excited because I think there were 27 competitors in it, something like that. And we were like, oh, wow, <laughs> why are we going to stand? <laughs> and it was a cross-country meet at a park. So um, it was pretty exciting. It was a big crowd. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> that's what you got was the parents and the families, right, of the kids that were running. They were the uh, the cheer-oners. They were our cheerle- cheerleaders. So I think it was when you were maybe 13 years old that your coach, whose name was Sai Ma, came to you and said, do you want to run a marathon? Yes. So I didn't know what it was. That was like, (laughs) I didn't know what it was. Like, um, it was not a big event for girls. We'd been running all over the place for quite a while by that point. And um, I'd never heard of it. So I didn't know what it was. So I said, what is it? And he said, it's a, it's a long run. And I said, well, how far is it? And he told me, and I, I said, well, that is a long run. So then he said, how would, you know, I think you can break the world record. How would you like to go for it? And I said, well, what pace do we have to do? And he told me, and I said, okay, we can try. So that's what we did. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And you did it with just a month's notice. Like there wasn't a, you know, three month training cycle or something leading up to it. You had basically a month to get ready for it. Wow. Yeah. But to be clear, you know, they've been training for years and, and, and they were kind of training what six days of the week, Maureen. Um, so it, mm-hmm. it wasn't like Maureen was starting from scratch at that point. She had already built mm-hmm. up, you know, quite a base. In fact, like her coach, they, they would have a race 10 miles away and her coach would say, mm-hmm. Hey, you want to run to it? And so he'd <laughs> run with Maureen to the race. Um, so they were doing oh that gosh. kind of training already. Wow. Wow. Right. They wow. were already super fit. Wow. Yes, but, but Maureen, did I? I'm wondering if if you had a sense, um, like that this was going to be a really big deal, um, mm. or if you know you just were like, okay, sure, yeah, I'll go do this thing. <laughs> uh, I well, I knew it was special because we were going for the record, but I, I didn't really get a sense of how special it was. And there was a lot of controversy over the run, and a lot of the officials were kind of uh, like the amateur athletic union. They were all kind of upset about it and worried about children's health and things like that. And maybe I could do it, but then other kids would want to do it who were not in shape for it. Um, so there was a lot of controversy that way, as well as being a female, you know, what would happen later on? If Would I be able to have children? That kind of, <laughs> that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And so um, there was a lot of arguing about it. So, and I knew that. So I went in. Spoiler, with... Maureen did end up having children. <laughs> yeah. The race did not ruin her. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they really didn't. They really didn't think that, you know, women could do that. They just didn't right. believe they could do that. You know, right. it was like uncharted waters. And, you know, in hindsight, I look back on it now. And as as a child, you know, your joints are still forming and, and there was a bit of wiseness to it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look, if you look at it nowadays, they do have an age limit on it. So, but at the marathon itself, I cannot say did any damage. The training may have, I don't, I don't know. Um, huh. I, I really don't know. Hmm. Have you ever had a doc? Had have you ever had a doctor that said, "Oh, you know, you have arthritis in that, you know, left knee because of training, doing so many miles before your b- bone plates had fused, or anything like that"? Has anybody ever said no, things like that? No, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. So okay. there's, you know, I don't see any um, problems with it. I think uh, I do struggle a bit with it with uh, getting started with running, and um, I attributed to 
the way I learned to train. So, for mm. example, a lot of the kids were injured. They were always injured because we did. Oh. We the, the rule of the game was you run as fast as you can and as hard as you can. If you want to win, you got to go fast to win. You're training, you got to go fast when you train. And so mm. it was every night had to be all out as much as you could give. And so yeah. every night was like that. And a lot of the kids were injured because of that. And so my mindset is still in that zone where you need to go as fast as you can and as hard as you can every time you're out there. And that isn't, science has proven that that isn't the way it works. <laughs> so I'm still trying to change my brain <laughs> to right. thinking and incorporating the knowledge of science. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was the agenda of, of uh, uh, coaching and running of the of that sort of first running boom, right? Everybody did that. Everybody went out and ran as hard as they could and as much as they could, not just kids, obviously, but like, you know, grownups and the Frank Shorters and the Bill Rogers of the era. And you, you kind of seeing it with people, especially the guys who are like in their 60s and 70s now and limping around because they, they ran so hard and so long without much uh, recovery. It's a completely different world now. Correct. And the first one who started that um, interval training and, and um, oh, I'm trying to think of the word. Periodization. Yes. Part that. Period. Period. Oh. that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it was Lloyd Percival. Um, he was a coach. He was a hockey coach. He was just a fitness coach all around. And he also coached Roberta Pico of the Don Mills Track Club, who was, I believe, in the Pan Am Games. I'm not sure if she ever went to the Olympics, but I know she went to the Pan Am Games. She was one of our top Canadian runners. Um, he started uh, I get the science on it. So he started... Um, I can't think of the word I'm trying to say. Uh, uh-huh, studying, people, studying people when yeah. they run. <laughs> uh-huh. and, oh, okay. and the effects the effects that it had on, on running and what happened. And, and so he's actually the one that um, my coach got uh, information on um, interval training. And so that was, that was, that was the seed that was sown. Now he was, he was quite a man. He was, uh, there was a big hockey game in Canada. It was Canada, Russia. I think it was 1972. And Canada beat the Russians. It was a huge game. And the Russians went back and they took his book because he also had a book on, you know, coaching hockey and um, training. And so the Russians took his book back and then they came back and beat Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so he was he was uh quite a man and he 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 sent me um flowers in a vase after I ran the marathon. Oh, cool. So it was pretty special. He, he was an early supporter of Maureen. Mm-hmm. Um he also he also coached women and um yeah, there were not a lot of them who were kind of um you know like the the Canadian AAU, the American AAU was not very supportive, but he was one who was consistently supportive of her running. Of the extra dis- distances. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so Maureen, take us back to that, to that marathon. So you had about a month's notice. You were already super fit. You, you go to the starting line and you know there's a certain pace that you need to maintain in order to get this record. And, it, and from the book, it sounds like you you pretty much clocked off the miles, click, 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 every one, uh, dead on your pace. Do you remember what it felt like? And if you had a sense of, okay, this is happening, I'm going to get this record? Um, I... Uh... I think I was more thinking about the controversy than the record itself. Honestly, I knew I was on pace. I had a job to do and I was, I was doing it. Um, the pace was, was um, pretty attainable. I didn't feel overwhelmed by it or anything. Um, but I must've been excited because when my mother said I wasn't going to get it, 
at the last mile, she uh, she had a clock going and she's like, uh, I don't know what went wrong, but you're not going to get it. And I was like, what? you know, I'm running by my head does a 360. <laughs> I was like, What do you mean? I'm not going to get it as I'm running by. And she's oh, she's yelling. There's something wrong with my watch and you're not going to get the record now. And I had one mile left and I'm like, yes, well, I, I don't know if I can, but I'm go I'm going as fast as I can now. And so I just took off and ran as fast as I could on the last mile. Yeah. And how fast was that, Maureen? I don't know. It was six something. The exact time, I'm not sure. I thought it was six minutes, but then I think didn't it, I, I think it looks more like 630. I'm not sure when we researched it. I thought it was around six minutes. So you dropped from what? 730. To 730 six. down to six minutes for yeah. the last yeah. mile so, of the marathon. Right. Yeah, consider us all impressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're all falling over right now. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't understand it at the time, why the why other people couldn't do a mile in six minutes. And now I get it. <laughs> now I Thank you. One in six. <laughs> You're welcome. Now I totally get it. I couldn't do one in six minutes. I don't know what I was what I was eating or. <laughs> Never mind. Well, how about a half a mile? No. How about a quarter mile? It was six minutes. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But but Maureen, so, when you talk about about knowing about the controversy and having the controversy in your head during the marathon. I mean, you're you're just a 13 year old girl, and and I, uh, um, you know, was it that, uh, you know, the controversy about women running or girls running or just the whole like breaking barriers? Like, w what was the thing that was? That I was just don't in your like head? controversy of any. Sorry, uh, I just don't mm -hmm. like controversy of any kind, and I just it made me feel very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, I knew that when I was going in and my mother's going go just go to the start they're going to start and I'm like yeah I will I will and I'm standing right beside the starting line and <laughs> I think it was like under five seconds from the gun going off that I actually stood on the road wow wow and, yeah. the, and the guys the guys who were around you like I, I don't know how spread out you get when you're in a in a smaller race like that but were there were there guys and men around you and were they supportive on the run I think they were all shocked. They didn't like when they saw me go on the starting line, they turned and they weren't, they didn't seem angry or anything. They just seemed really confused. Like, what is this kid doing here? <laughs> like a dog so. that's wandered onto the course or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what is she doing here? She can't be yeah. running. It was like, you know, so right. surely right. they wouldn't right. have her running a marathon. So, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. So they so, really didn't, they really didn't know what was going on. Why wow. I was there. So, hmm. yeah. I mean, I guess with, you know, there wasn't the social media, so it wasn't like there'd been the buzz if, if people hadn't been talking to different oh, yeah, people. There was no they buzz. Yeah, yeah. Well, also Maureen's name wasn't on the official program oh. and the AAU did not, um, they said that she could run the race, but not officially. They oh. were not happy that she was going to do it. Oh. So, um, it was very under the radar. Huh? Huh? That's interesting. Mm -hmm. so so, so Rachel, let's let's bring you into the conversation. When you and your co-author Kit Fox came across the facts about Maureen's incredible story when you were doing the Human Race podcast, like were you just dumbstruck that her accomplishment of setting the women's world marathon record at the age of thirteen wasn't some you know wasn't a story we're all incredibly familiar with already? Well, I mean, when Kit and I first started talking about it, he's like, "This sounds fake. This, there's just no way. Like, there's no way." Um, <laughs> And then he looked into it and found out that, sure enough, Maureen's record was very much real and not fake at all. And she is a real and amazing person. <laughs> I mean, we were just like, okay, we, we don't want to just get on the phone and talk to her. We need to like fly out and see this amazing person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Of course. So then... Um, you know, put the race in context. As you highlight in your book, there were so many firsts going on and running right around this time with Jim Ryan running sub four mile, Catherine Switzer, just, you know, weeks off of doing um, Boston. Um, so kind of put it into the context so people can realize what, what the era was. 
Right. So women were not allowed to run marathons. Um, they were not running marathons in the Olympics. They were not running, you know, kind of general lace races like Boston or New York. Um, and they weren't even running long distances. I think the AAU had a, had a cap on how many miles um, women were officially allowed to run. I can't remember exactly what it is, but maybe something like 2.5 or 5. It was very low. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to have, uh, you know, have somebody in a race, a woman in a race was big. And, you know, just a few weeks before, Catherine Switzer had been almost yanked out of the Boston Marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had gotten her AAU card revoked. Um, and Cy, Maureen's coach, heard about this or read about it in the newspaper and reached out to Catherine and said, you know, I know you're not allowed to run in the U.S. Mm. I would love to invite you to my race um, in Canada. You know, I have Maureen and she's she's going to go for the record and we'd love to have you there too. Mm-hmm. So Catherine Switzer, just a few weeks after her historic Boston run, drove up to Toronto um, to run this race with Maureen. Oh, that's fantastic. Wow. Wow. Mo, did you have any sense of who Catherine Switzer was? I mean, obviously she didn't have the, uh, she wasn't the person she is today, but, she, but you know, y- y- did you know about what had happened in Boston? Did you know anything about her before she was there at the race as well? I don't recall. Um, so what, what I, what I remember of the conversation is how would you like another girl to come and run? She was, um, yeah, I don't even know if they mentioned what she had been through. Wow. I don't Another remember. Uh-huh. I don't remember that, but my it was a long time ago, and my and I didn't see Catherine again for forty two years. So wow. Mm-hmm. So I didn't I didn't know a lot of the stuff that she had done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just dropped off the radar. So mm-hmm. when you finished the the race and. And, you know, you finally realized that, in fact, you had broken this record despite your mother calling out the wrong time at, at near the finish. Um, but then it kind of gets straightened out and you realize, OK, you have got this women's world marathon record. Um, uh, what was the aftermath like? Did you was there any attention at all? So. To go to the uh, to going across the starting the cross the finish line, I didn't know that I had that I had broken it. So there were no clocks like we have nowadays. We didn't have stopwatches. Mm. I mean, they were great big clunky things that you wore around your neck with a rope. <laughs> so nobody's going <laughs> to wear that in a marathon. And so I really didn't know. And because my mother said that I didn't have a prayer of getting it, I that I truly believed that. And so I came across. People were clapping and. I just figured it was normal cheering for finishing. And so um, I went through not be- believing that I hadn't done it. And the kids from the club came over because they had gone to support me that day and they were congratulating me. And I said, oh, thank you. But I didn't get the record. And they're like, oh, no, yes, you did. And I'm like, no, I didn't. My mother said I didn't. I didn't get it. And they're like, no, yes, you did. You got the record. And so um I was just starting to believe them. And then an official came over and he's like, did you run that whole race young lady? And I, I didn't understand why he was asking me that. And I said, yes. And, and he walked away and then they were all kind of talking. The adults were talking again, <laughs> which I saw as a dangerous situation. <laughs> and, and then somebody came and said, they're going to give it to you but they're not going to call it a world record, which I was under the understanding that that's what I was going for. But because of not, I don't know if it wasn't recording things or the courses were different or whatever, for whatever reason, they said um, that it would be called world's best performance. And so it wasn't because until it wasn't years. Race. Sorry? Because you weren't because it wasn't an official AAU Canadian AAU sanctioned race. Correct. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so they didn't. Uh, it wasn't until until years later that they changed it, and it ended up going into the Guinness Book of World Records, which I didn't know about for years. So. <laughs> so that so was a nice surprise. That- 
there there wasn't uh, prize money and a and a bonus for no. getting the world record no. or trophy. No, no, or... but I kn- <laughs> no, but I knew that before I went in. So that wasn't yeah. that wasn't a real shock Not or a, a surprise, disappointment right? or anything. The disappointing part was, and it wasn't the the media that um, that was negative. They were reporting facts that were negative, right? So mm-hmm. the media wasn't uh, against my run. They were just reporting that the officials were against the run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So hmm. there was a there was a few negative comments like it was like pushing peanuts up a hill with your nose. I can't believe her mother would let her do that. It just there was a lot there was a few other things. So hmm. there was a lot of well, negative feedback. And uh we went away after the after the race. We went up to the cottage and we came home on on and the coach called Sunday night going, you know, all these reporters are calling from all over the world and is it true and you know, so there was a buzz <laughs> for sure, but um, not like you would see today. But that was expected. So, and did you talk fun? to? Yeah, and did was you the, talk to some of those reporters? Yeah. I mean, like somebody, you know, a reporter from Japan or London or something like that, or they were mostly reporting. No, they were mostly reporting on the controversy. Uh, oh, hmm, that's too bad. Hmm. <laughs> But it's okay. Yeah, it was, so Maureen goes back to school the next day. Sorry, Maureen goes back to school the next day, and she's not like, hey, friends, I just broke the world record. She, like, doesn't talk to anyone about it. Mm. She doesn't talk to anyone about it because of the controversy and because, I don't know, it just, like, left a, like, sour taste in her mouth, which is really unfortunate that, like, that moment was kind of stolen from her because, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. because of adults arguing. You know, it's just... Yeah. It's really sad. Yeah. Right, right. So, so Rachel, I'm going to admit that that a part of me was wondering if what would have happened if the race had been in the United States. Like, do you think? I don't know. I, I realized that you know Catherine Switzer's um, Boston Marathon incident had there was a you know a lot of negative sensation around that, but that I sort of wonder if it had happened in the United States whether it it would have gotten more attention and that. It struck me, you know, particularly listening to your reporting of it on the human race, that that is any part of this due to Canadian modesty in a way? Um, I don't know about that. I mean, Maureen is extremely modest. Mm-hmm. Like Maureen does not is not does not brag about her accomplishments. That much is definitely true. Mm-hmm. But um, but you know, Maureen ran with a lot of the girls from the United States. She 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 raced like up and down the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the newspapers in New York were reporting on her races. Newspapers in Baltimore were reporting on her races. When, you know, U.S. racers went up to Toronto, the Toronto newspapers reported on their races. Mm-hmm. And the rules were the same. Like, women were not allowed to run marathons in the U.S. and they were not allowed to run marathons in Canada. So I'm not quite sure that that would have made much of a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Maureen's talked a lot about how, you know, Catherine Switzer was older, mm-hmm when she ran Boston. So she was kind of able to think about that race and reflect on it and talk about it. Maureen was 13, right. you know, it's like, right. what kind of platform do you have as a 13 year old? And then Maureen stopped running in just a few years, you know? Um, so, so I think the age difference may have made a difference too. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. sure. Cause Catherine's sister was however old she was in her late twenties. Uh, so she had more, experience just in life yeah 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 and more like you know just a little more power like to speak out yeah um yeah so um, maureen we wanted to ask you about that actually uh, about the part so you you did continue to run for a few uh, years after the the marathon but um at a certain point you kind of gave it up completely um and can you tell tell us about why i think it was a lot of um a lot of work and I'd been doing it since I was 10 years old and I was, I don't know, 15, 16. And it was every day for six years running as hard as you can and pushing yourself into the ground. And, um, the kids in the club were changing. The friendships was a big part of my life with the club and they were leaving. So I think that played a huge part in it as well. And then the coach left and that was, 
then it was, I was at that, you know, I was at that, it was time to, Mm -hmm. to leave and yeah. So you took a, you took a many, many year break, but then you came back when I believe your daughter started running. Is that correct? Yes. So my daughter started running and the first year she was like, in practice picking up dandelions instead of running and I just didn't get it but she was like grade two so the next year we went and she didn't do very well (laughs) surprise (laughs) but the next year the next year um so they were out of sight and then they were way across the field and my mother says that's Carolyn and like I don't know I think it was third place and I said oh I doubt that and he goes no that's <laughs> Carolyn in third place I said that's not Carolyn in third place she says no she says she is running exactly like you did that oh. is her and oh, so I great. so they came in and yeah she was she was hilarious she was so excited about that race and they gave the microphone to the kids, put it in their hands, you know, the ones that came in the top three, and they had to give their name and say their school. And it was like, oh, you know, Janie Smith from St. <laughs> whatever, and then somebody else would come up, and then she came up, and she was like, Carolyn Matt Cuso from St. Gabriel. <laughs> it was, everybody started to laugh. It was so funny, and she was so pumped from that experience. Um that when she came home, she said to my mom, did my mom ever run? And my mom looked at her and said, didn't you tell her? <laughs> I was like, tell her what? <laughs> She's in grade three. What am I going to tell her? <laughs> so anyway, that night, the cat was out of the bag. So we sat down with all of the scrapbooks and um, we had a really amazing um, bonding time over the running events and it just she's still sparked to this day from that night I think and really loves to run so from there I started uh going to the practices and and then I would um I thought I should get down on the track instead of sitting here doing nothing and so I started I started off just walking and then you know the next thing I know Carolyn um I don't know she had trouble getting to the getting to the practices at a certain time. And so the next year, or I guess it was the next year, her and I went. And the next thing I know, I'm doing intervals with her. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it kind of went from there. And so then I, you know, I looked up a couple of running clubs in Toronto and I found one. And so I started with them in, I guess, April or May. And... Um, John Chipman uh, contacted me in the spring. So shortly after that, and he's like, Hey, how'd you like to run a marathon? I'm like, no, (laughs) no. (laughs) That that question again, that question again. (laughs) Yeah. And so he says, well, I'd like to, you know, he, he told me how excited he was about hearing my story and he was incredibly supportive. And he said, he'd like to reunite Catherine and myself to run in the Toronto Good Life Marathon. And so he said, she's agreed to the half. And I said, okay, I'll go, I'll do the half with her. And so I just started running around the block and, and doing a bit more and a bit more, like doing more distance. Um, And then we ran that, I guess in September, I think pretty sure it was in the fall. And at the dinner, so Catherine was doing a speech at the dinner. And so she said, her and John and I went out for a coffee and she said, um, you know, I'm going to change my whole speech and do it on your story. And I said, they're not going to want to hear that. And she's like, oh, you wait. She said, they're going to love it. And I said, no, no, they're not going to want to hear that. And um, anyway, she talked me into going to the dinner and then she did the speech and then she's at the at. Um, so she did the whole talk about this story and then at the end of it she said oh and she's sitting at the table out front here and I think that was pretty much the first time I'd been out into like the running community in 40 years (laughs) outside of the club that I was in and um, so they went crazy they just clapped and clapped and like I had to literally stop them it was like (laughs) It was amazing. So Catherine was so supportive and she gave me my moment. (laughs) That's how I feel. And then I got home and I opened an email from one of the 
people in the running club. And it's all it said was, we know who you are. <laughs> so I was, all the cats out of the bag there too. So then once they knew they, you know, they took me out for dinner and wanted to hear the story. And, um, and I started running with that club and I was with them for, they were incredibly supportive about the marathon and, and um, yeah, it was really nice. That's really cool. You finally got your due. And, oh, and here's I did. something I'm, curi- I'm curious about. So, you know, when you finally you come back to and you run a half marathon um, after all, after all these years of not running, and then obviously I know you trained to get back into shape to do it. But but how did it feel? Like, did you feel good running again? Yeah, actually, it was it was funny because I got injured about a week and a half before or two weeks, I would say two weeks before. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm supposed to be running with Catherine (laughs) two weeks. And so I completely stopped. So I think it was a week and a half before the, the actual day of the run. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And um, I thought, well, I'm just going to get on the starting line and one foot in front of the other and see how it goes from there. And I think the rest did me the world of good because I really yeah. didn't have any problems until say the last three K about that. Mm. Mm. And then it was like, okay, this is a long run. <laughs> and that was only the half. <laughs> so I was very glad I didn't, uh, didn't agree to the full. And uh, do you do races now? I mean, did that light a spark in you and you kept doing them or? Uh, I did. I did. I was with Longboat for uh, maybe a year and a half, two years, but then I started working full time and kind of simultaneously I was running and I wiped out on the ice and broke my shoulder. And I, um, so it was, it was really, that took me right out of it for a while. And then it was difficult. I found it difficult to get back into it after that. I can't say it's just the shoulder issues. It's, um, it was the training and working full time. Uh, just right. uh, oh, I was sorry. I was working weekends, so I couldn't run the races. That was it. <laughs> so I just kind of gave. It's not in the cards for right now, so I gave it up temporarily. But Maureen, while, while we were while we were writing the book, Maureen did run a race with Kit and I. Um, it was a five mile race, um, and her daughter won that race outright. Like she was the first finisher. Oh, cool. And. Uh, and the three of us were running together and, you know, we're running up this final hill and my co-author Kit, he turns around and he goes like, all right, guys, we did great. You know, now it's time to just like take it easy and, you know, jog to the finish, like take it easy to the end. And Maureen's like, we're not taking it easy. This is not how you, this is not how you run a race. And she just like turned on the jets and like sped up the hill. <laughs> we're like, she's still got it. She's still got her, it. Her signature move, putting the hammer down in the final. Yeah, the final yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really, uh, it was such a special, special time. Oh my goodness. For sure. Oh my goodness. So, so a question for either one or, or both of you, um, we get a lot of time mother runners, you know, they love the sport of running. They want to know how to encourage their, their daughters or their sons to get involved in running. So do either of you have advice on that one? I would say get out and do things that are fun, play tag that involve running and then maybe take them to, you know, if the parents are running themselves, they can take them to their races to support them and just kind of involve them that way and see if they're, it has to come from the child. So um, see if they have that interest. Yeah. I think the, the, the thing that I've learned from, you know, um, working with Maureen for so long is that like, she really, she ran because there was so much joy in it. You know, she said that like when she was running, she felt like it was freedom. And um, I think it's really important to find, to find that kind of joy and for sure, like bringing your kids to races and, and, and that's kind of stuff is so, so exciting. Like how can you not want to do it too? But, um, but yeah, just, just making sure that, 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 that excitement is there and, and doing whatever you can to foster that. Like Maureen's parents were incredibly supportive. So. 
so so Rachel, we certainly want um, our audience to to read the book because um, we enjoyed it and it, and it's written for people who are you know students in high school all the way up to you know uh, mother runners themselves. But do you think there's anything that we've kind of missed that you'd like to highlight? Uh, you know that you learned about Maureen while you were working on the book with her. Um, I mean a, a lot, but I, I think the thing that really struck us, cause we, we, we first told the story in the podcast. I think the thing that really struck us when we reported the book is just that Maureen's record wasn't just some like one off that some kid did in Canada. You know, the record before hers was, I can't remember Maureen a few years prior. And when Maureen broke the record, news spread and a coach in Germany heard about the record and was like, whoa, this is insane. If a 13 year old could do it, I bet my, the woman that I'm training could do it too. And so it really like lit the spark that kind of continued to this day. You know, after Maureen ran it, the record was broken pretty consistently after that. And I think it was because, because she was young, because it was so surprising and because it was the right time like she really did make a very mm-hmm. big impact in women's running bigger than for sure Maureen knew bigger than we knew when we first started reporting the story. Um, yeah. And, and it's, and, and even though, um, you know, Maureen qu- quit the sport when she was a teenager, like her, her impact uh, remains on the sport today. So. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That, that... You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so thank you so much for joining us, and and um, we wish you all the best with the book and and with your running. So thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Bye bye. All right. Well, as a reminder, there's no dimity anymore on uh, telling us about the Train Like a Mother Club because now there is AMR Trains, a biweekly podcast that alternates with AMR Answers on Tuesdays. And um, if you're looking for more dimity, definitely the place to find her is in Many Happy Miles. Um, perhaps you have heard about it. Um, perhaps you started with your best intentions for being active this year and those intentions have already skidded sideways. Um, so consider joining many happy miles. That's our annual membership program. And there's strength videos demoed by Dimity. There's also daily workouts. There's no races. Unlike the train, like a mother club programs, there's no races. It's keeping you active, getting you putting one foot in front of the other in one way or another every day. Um, there's special webinars with guests. Um, every month there's a gear discount on shoes, bras, apparel, our store, all different sort of things throughout the year. There's community and support in spades. It's basically like a supercharged version of another mother runner with workouts. And then new this year, we're very excited. We have a mobile app. So that's kind of the online meeting area for all the people in Many Happy Miles. There is a lot of chatter in there. So go to manyhappymiles.com for more details and to register. That's manyhappymiles.com. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Many happy miles.